All right, it's Dave Campbell for Reed Wilkins tonight and all of this week. Well, that's not true necessarily most of this week. I'll be here tonight, obviously. Tomorrow, Brendan Escott will be in the chair on Wednesday. Then mm-hmm. I'll clean it up on Thursday and Friday. Uh, so kind of quiet in the sports world right now. I know there's lots of baseball going on. Jays are idle. They'll uh, begin a series against the Boston Red Sox on the road tomorrow. Nice series against the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees are struggling. I mean, it's a good thing they have about, you know, they're up by a million games on anyone else uh, in the American League East and are cruising to the playoffs, but they lost three of four to the Jays. So that's important for the Jays who uh, are fighting for a, a wild card spot. Um, so all that's really going on tonight is preseason football. <laughs> and in the NFL, the Atlanta Falcons are playing, they're playing the New York Jets. And, oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, Marquee matchup. <laughs> I'll tell you the score. It's 10-0 Falcons over the Jets. Marcus Mariota just made a, this completed a touchdown pass. So that's a reminder for all of us. He's now with the Falcons. <laughs> but other than that, there's really no relevance to this game. So, Kellen, do we talk about preseason anything other than hockey and football? Uh, I'll, I'll just share. I'll share quickly the same comment that I shared with you during a commercial break. Is that sure. you know, in producing, technically producing the uh, the Elks games and that stuff and whatever. There's one game per year that I fear, and no, it's not the Labor Day Classic because of the opponent. <laughs> no, it's not the playoff game be, uh, be, or playoff games. Hopefully, because of the uh, added importance and that stuff. It's the first preseason game per year because that game is six or seven hours long, it seems. like yes. It's like the 24 hours of football when you, when you get a chance to watch one of those because yeah. you know that somebody's going to screw up and get the NFL rule set mixed up with the CFL rule set and, you know, call for a fair catch on a punt and get absolutely leveled or, you know, think they have an extra set of downs and they don't or, you know, to run out of time on a play clock because they're not used to the Canadian rule set and da-da-da-da-da. So, <laughs> I yeah. Should look back, I should look back in 2010. The first game that Morley and I called, uh, Morley's first year, uh, was a preseason game at home against the Stampeders, and I can't remember who the quarterback was. So I should look him up. But uh, it was uh, – they were down by three, I believe, and mm-hmm. uh, he picked up the football after a play and spiked it. Ooh. And it's like, ah, uh, <laughs> now it's third down. Yep. <laughs> he didn't realize that you shouldn't really do that up here. I, mm-hmm. I got I'll, I'll see if I'll uh, have time to look up the name. But, uh, uh, well, wow. On the weekend, Canada, they get it done. They win the gold medal. Kent Johnson scoring the winning goal in overtime Saturday as Canada won 3-2 over Finland. Canada's Mason McTavish beat, uh, bat, uh, batted a Finland shot away from Canada's goal line in overtime just before Johnson's goal. Uh, and that was quite the dramatic moment. And uh, McTavish, named tournament MVP, finished as the top scorer, eight goals, nine assists. Kent Johnson, as I mentioned, the winner, and he was pretty good as well. And the man who was there covering it for Post Media, and he joins us now, and it's always nice to talk to, to uh, Derek Van Dees of Post Media. DVD, how you doing, my man? Good, Dave. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, so I want to start with the good because I know there's a lot of, um, let's just say, not favorable stories surrounding this event. Um, mm-hmm. But it ended with a bang. And how could you not love an overtime golden goal scored by Canada in Canada? 
to win a gold medal? No, it was fantastic. It was a fantastic way to end the tournament. And, and it just, just shows you the beauty of junior hockey and the unpredictability of junior hockey. And there's so much that went on in that game, so much that went on in that overtime. Um, you look at that game, Canada builds a 2 nothing lead. They get five power plays in the second period in a row. And they can't do anything with it. They can't extend the lead. They get a couple more in the, in the third period, can't do anything. And then you start thinking, geez, the friends have done a good job. They're just, just hanging around. They're hanging around. Sure enough, they scored a goal to make it 2-1. Then people kind of looking at each other, scored the goal to make it 2-2. And then suddenly we're going into a three-on-three overtime uh, for a 20-minute session. We knew it wasn't going to last 20 minutes. It was back and forth all the way. And then that play by Mason McTavish, I've seen the replay about 25 times. And each time I see the replay, I'm just... <laughs> shocked that he was able to knock that puck down. And the way he was able to knock that puck down, it's going in the net. He knocks it out of the air. It falls just on the other side of the goal line. And then he has the patience and, and, and the ability to just kind of push it off the goal line and clear it. It was an amazing play by Mason McTavish. And while the building is still buzzing, because we showed the replay now, the building is still buzzing on that play by Mason McTavish. Uh, Ken Johnson goes to the other end and, and scores the goal. And it was a beauty goal, too. Drove the net. It was a great save by the goaltender, and then he put in the rebound, and everyone went crazy. And for a while there, you got a feeling, you know what, this does feel like a Wild Juniors in December. And it, it, it does feel like that, because until that point, until that game, it hadn't felt that way. It felt like a Wild Juniors in August. And I think it was a great way to finish the tournament, but there was obviously a lot of issues with the tournament in August. And, uh, but it was a fantastic moment, and it turned out to be two iconic moments from that people have heard forever remember uh, about that game. And what was the attendance? Uh, well, I just want to get right to it. What was the attendance that night? Oh, I believe it was around 13,000. They filled the lower bowl. So the lower bowl yep. was filled, and they opened half of the upper bowl. So they had okay. one half curtained off, and the half that they didn't turn off, they had it filled, uh, they had the upper bowl filled. So it was, uh, it was a good crowd, good energy. It was, there was a lot of energy in the, in the building, which we hadn't seen before. And it was a good crowd, and they were excited. They were happy to be there. And I think the teams really set off. That was the first time the teams played in front of a crowd that big. Yeah, and it looked it looked great. The energy looked great, and like you said, it you know it was almost thirty degrees outside, but no one cared at that moment because uh, it's one of those special moments about uh, when you get when you get a gold medal game like that with Canada and Finland. And, you know, you mentioned Kent Johnson. We mentioned him. We mentioned Mason McTavish. They've had quite the year because I believe they played for Canada, the Olympics, and that didn't go very well. Um, and I believe, were they on the original junior team as well back in yeah. Uh, yeah, in December? Yes. Yeah. yeah, they were. And you wow. look at Mason McTavish. Mason McTavish's year has been unbelievable. He started the year with the Anaheim Ducks. He went to the San Diego Gold. Then he went to the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, and then he went to the World Juniors with Canada, and he went to the Olympics, and he came back to the Ontario Hockey League. He was traded. He went to Hamilton. He went to play one and only championship with Hamilton. Went to the Memorial Cup. Went to the Memorial Cup. Beat the old teams along the way. Uh, I was kind of talking to him about the goal he scored against Sebastian Costa, whether or not he, they, 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 he bugged him about that goal. Because that goal knocked the old teams out of the Memorial Cup. And then he comes back in August and plays with Canada again and wins the gold medal. So, and he's got to start training camp in, what, three weeks, four weeks? Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> it was quite, uh, quite the season. It hasn't seemed, it just seems like it's just been one long, continuous season for Mason McDonald's. But he's a kid that just wants to play hockey, and, yeah, he's, he's going to be a really, really talented NHL player. Yeah, I felt bad for Ridley Gregg because uh, he was another player that kind of caught my eye 
and uh, just just the way he was playing. And sadly, uh, you know, he's a sense prospect, and when he's going to be out a few weeks with an injury, so so that's unfortunate for him and unfortunate for the Senators. But uh, you know, he was having one heck of a tournament before he got hurt. Yeah, he was, and he got hurt. I believe it was the semifinal game he got, or quarterfinal game he got hurt. Um, yeah, well, my, my understanding, he's out for four to five weeks, so he'll miss rookie camp, and the Senators hope to have him uh, a little later in their season. But yeah, that, that, that's the danger of playing this tournament, obviously, because you're playing at such a high level, it's such an intense level, and there's a danger that players get hurt. Uh, and this, in this, at this time of year, it's, it's almost a. Uh, Multiply by that because the players really aren't in game shape. They're not in midseason form like they would be in December. So, yeah, you're prevalent to injuries. And if you, if you get injured, you're really kind of risking your season summer. And, and I think that's the reason some of the guys that were going to NHL camps decided, you know what, as much as I like this tournament, as much as I want to play this tournament, I just don't want to risk injury going to an NHL camp. So, I think that's why there's some turnover in Team Canada this year. Yeah, no question. It definitely was the B team. But, I mean, that's the advantage as we're talking with uh, Post Media's uh, Derek Van Dees, who covered the World Juniors as he's kind of joined us here on 630 Jet Inside Sports. Is they can they can dress the C team, the D team, the E team. They're, I mean, we're just that deep in this country. But, um, you know, <laughs> maybe that played into the attendance. I don't know. But, you know, there, I think partway through, I think the natural inclination is to think, well, no one's going to this thing. Um, maybe the scandal is too much with the sexual assault allegations against Hockey Canada. And you know, one thing uh, last week we had Gemma, I had Gemma Carson Smith on from Canadian Press, uh, who's a fine sports writer for for CP, and you know, she said uh, conspicuous by their absence, and this is not the norm. Is uh, the Hockey Canada brass is nowhere to be found at this tournament? So it was just a lot of weird. And I think and you've mentioned that, but when you look back on it, I mean, there was some. Great storylines, and how can you not think Czechia? <laughs> we would never have had that run from Czechia if we didn't have a tournament here, even though it was in August. <laughs> well, that's right. Czechia and Latvia, too. Latvia won their, won their first, uh, uh, first qualification game in 28 tries. So they were all in 27 in the qualification round. They, they beat Czechia in the last qualification round. Celebrated it like it was game seven of the Stanley Cup final. And then made it to the quarterfinals for the first time. So they were pretty excited about making it to the quarterfinals. And, and they thought that they could have won the quarterfinals. They thought they could have done better in the quarterfinals. So there were some great stories out there, but there were just so many things working against this tournament. And to be honest, Hockey Canada didn't do itself any favors. And there was times when we wondered whether they even wanted people in the stands because the ticket prices were so high. You look at the Canada preliminary games, you're looking at $160, $180. To go watch Canada preliminary games, and the games that don't feature Canada, you're looking at sixty to hundred bucks to, to go watch Slovakia and Finland, and it was plus thirty outside. It was probably the nicest two weeks of the summer, gorgeous weather outside, uh, and then yeah, you're right. There was, there was that child going over hockey Canada, and in general, I worked with her closely at this tournament. She's a fantastic reporter. No one to be seen. Anyone from hockey Canada, any of the executives, anyone from, and, and, and they were requested. We wanted to talk to the executive. We wanted to talk to Stephon Smith. We wanted to talk to these people. Nowhere to be seen. And the conspicuous by their absence was that the, the, the final media availability where the IAHF, the president, and the chairman of the tournament were there. Hockey Canada is usually as a chair at that table. They weren't there, and they were left to explain the ticket prices and things like that, and they just couldn't do it. They didn't understand themselves why the ticket prices were not priced for a summer tournament instead of 
pricing as they were if it was in December. Yeah, and you know, it had nothing to do with the with the team that was there for Canada. I mean, I felt bad for for them because they were kind of caught in this crossfire, and it has nothing to do with them. But and they really did a great job, led by Dave Cameron, the head coach, and just kind of shielding all that. So that's excellent. Uh, Post media is Derek Van Deese joining us here on six thirty Chet Inside Sports. Uh, he covered the World Juniors, Canada winning three two in overtime to uh, win the gold medal at the World Juniors. And uh, we'll be talking World Juniors uh, again very, very soon because the next one comes up in, uh, what, about four months away here. So uh, that'll be exciting as well when we're kind of, you know, well, we will be back to normal. Okay, before I let you go, DVD, I got to ask you, this is coming up to the surface again. And it was kind of being talked about around free agency back on July 13th. But the, the concept and the idea of Patrick Kane becoming an oiler and i don't know how in the world that they could do this that that's a lot of money that has to go out the door for patrick kane there's a lot about this that i like but it's just i go how in the world can this happen yeah you know it's funny because a lot of people thought when the owners took duncan keith from the chicago blackhawks and they retained all the salary i think a lot of people thought okay the Blackhawks owe the Oilers a favor here. <laughs> the Oilers did the Blackhawks a favor. And they did yeah. I wonder if this is the repayment on that favor. I wonder if, if somehow if the Blackhawks can retain their salary, if, if somehow the Oilers can make it work where they get uh, they get the Kane here. And, it's, and the funny thing is, is the Blackhawks are, are tanking this. They don't want Kane and Kane on their team. And Kane and Kane, both of them, Kane and Kane, they're probably looking at it and saying, okay, we got to get out of here because we're going to lose 60 games this year, and I don't want to be part of that. So I'm Patrick Kane. I'm thinking, okay, where can I go and how can I facilitate that the best way? And they look at Edmonton and say, yeah, I play with Conor McDavid. You know how many points you have with Conor McDavid? Playing with Evander Kane and Leon Dreisaitl and all those guys. I'm sure this is very, very appealing to a guy like Patrick Kane. I'm sure he's looking at this going, I would love to finish my career there and play with those guys and get another shot at Stanley Cup. And I'm pretty sure as much as they love Chicago and as much as they've had the success there, they look at they, they look around and see what Chicago's doing, and let's be honest, Chicago's probably tanking for Carter Bernard, and these those two guys will probably want out. And I think if somehow they could make it work, I know they started that rumor, but if somehow they could make it work, that'd be fantastic. I would love to see him here. I would love to see a, a guy with that much skill play with McDavid and John Seidel and, and another kid. And, and wow, would that not be an exciting team to go watch every night? I think that would put the conversation over the top, and there's people saying this already about the Oilers, but that would put this conversation over the talk about, yeah, the Oilers are legitimate Stanley Cup contenders if if they if they get Patrick Kane on their roster. Oh, for sure. I think they are already, but yeah, they get a guy like that for, for 82 games. Yeah, look out, look out Pacific Division. That's going to be an unbelievable, unbelievable hockey club. So I hope they get it done. I'd love to see it. I've heard the same rumors, the uh, same name, but yeah, maybe Chicago does that. Edmonton a favor. Maybe they own a favor with uh, with the uh, Duncan Keith trade. All right, DVD. Always great to talk to you, my man. Take care of yourself. We'll uh, we'll do this again real soon. Sounds good, Dave. Thanks for having me. That is Post Media's Derek Van Dees, who covered the World Junior Hockey Championships here in Edmonton, won by Canada 3-2 in OT, with uh, Kent Johnson scoring the goal in overtime on Saturday night uh, after Mason McTavish made it. Just a spectacular save. The save of the tournament. And uh, with the scandal, which is still um, a big problem for Hockey Canada with the sexual assault allegations, and they still have a lot to answer for. But um, 
you know, despite the ticket prices, despite just when the tournament, they took a gamble on this. They, they, they really did having an August tournament and the weather was as such as it was just hard to think about hockey. Uh, it was great to see over 13,000 at Rogers place, uh, take it in and Evander Kane and Euler <laughs> wild. Yeah, that, that'd be wild. I, I, I honestly don't know how this could happen. And this is why I'm not an NHL general manager. Okay. So I'll just let the NHL GMs figure this out. That'd be Ken Holland and, and, uh, and, and Chicago's brass. So we'll, we'll see, but that would be amazing. I mean, there's a lot of talk that, you know, Sam Gagne's name is, uh, on the table about a professional tryout and would they, are they still in on a Sonny Milano, for example? And of course they would need to long-term injured reserve and they, they'll they expect to do that with Oscar Clefbaum and and with Mike Smith and that'll clear up some cap space but and then obviously there's players that have to go the other way I mean full goal maybe Pugliarvi I don't know but Patrick Kane and Oiler oh man what a concept that would be huh Good to have Derek Van Deest on the show from Post Media. The Elks this week with Morley Scott coming up between 7.30 and 8. And the hotline is brought to you by CertainTeed. Pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed Pro all the way. Let's go to the CertainTeed hotline. And via Kellen Kennedy. What yes. You, uh, you haven't figured it out yet what we're going to call it when you're hosting. Uh, Reed calls it the Canned Ham line, but uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we got another week. We'll figure this out here. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, we got Adam texting in and he says, I have a question. My kids want to go to their first Elks game this Saturday and they are under 12. Can I get tickets at the gates? I believe you can. And uh, kids 12 and under are free, by the way, too. Mm-hmm. So they're free for the rest of the season. So, yeah, I believe you can. Yep. And then Armswar, who's a regular to the show, texts in and says, Why are people talking about Patrick Kane again? We don't need more expensive players. We need good, cheap players that can play defense. Well, because Patrick Kane's one of the best players still in the National Hockey League. I think that's why. Um, I understand. But, if you know, they're in the window. Like, this is this is it. I do believe they're a Stanley Cup contender now, and they need help to kind of cement that. I don't know how they're going to do it. That's the crazy thing. So arms where I'm, I'm kind of with you. You're like, boy, that's a lot of money. But like I said, I'll let them figure that out. By the way, Thursday at 11 a.m., all individual game tickets go on sale, okay, for Oiler Games this season. Ooh. And that will mark one month out to our very first broadcast of Oilers hockey for the new season with a preseason debut or the preseason opener at home against the Winnipeg Jets. That'll be very, very cool for sure. Um, can you imagine racing in 100 marathons? Oh, our next guest is uh, very close to that milestone. We'll meet Bonnie Wallace-Chuck in a moment here on Inside Sports. <laughs> 